Hey everyone, it's Christine Mercer from Blue Shoe Strategy doing one of our Ladies Who Launch interviews where we talk to women who have really interesting jobs from across the country and talk about uh, the trajectory that you took to get there and some fun things around the company. Carol and I went to college together at the University of Nebraska. Go Big Red! Woohoo! And she then moved to Kansas City and where she worked uh, both in communications at UPIS, and I call it UPIS, but it really is UPS. We all know UPS and you know the brown uniforms that go around where they wear knee highs and shorts, yes, even in the winter. And uh, But now she's moved in. She's a process supervisor in certainly the HR arena. Isn't that right? Yeah. That's right. HR shared services. But over the years, we have laughed so hard about your work at UPIS. And I will start off by saying, because everybody, when I tell them I have a friend who works there, says, is it true that the trucks don't make left turns? And your answer is? That they make as few as possible. To save money, to save time, waiting at intersections, to save gas emissions, you name it. Okay, so... So sometimes they absolutely have to, but they make as few as they can. Okay, and does that mean that other people... You know, they did a study. They must have done a study, right? How does that work? Many, many studies, and they just found that... You know, of course, we have the advantage of we create, you know, the routes for them. And a lot of times a driver has a fairly small area, let's say, to work within, so you can work around the turns. Maybe it's easier than someone that, you know, just going to have to take a left to get on the right, correct highway and that type of thing. But yeah, if you're working a, you know, circuitous route or whatever, it's going to be smart to take as few left turns as you can. Okay, but the best is Carol and I are not what you'd call runarounds, where we don't get up and run all over the place and we're not running marathons and doing all of those things. That's not who we are as human beings, and we're, we're okay with that, right, Carol? Yes, it's we called are, being out of shape, but go ahead. <laughs> so my favorite part of Christmas was hearing from Carol, because during the Christmas season at UPS, which I call UPS, which is really UPS, but what happens is management has to go into the field and deliver. Carol, just tell, just tell the other female audiences about a few of your experiences <laughs> in delivering, <laughs> delivering for UPS. Well, and you know, and that is the way it is. And when I had just uh, started working for them, it hadn't even been that long. And there were a couple different experiences I can share. But in this particular winter in Kansas City, they had blizzard after blizzard after blizzard. And so what they actually did was take the packages. They would go to like a manager's garage resort there and all the management they we called it browning up you put on your brown <laughs> uniform and like I always, man up and wait yeah. no, come on we're the ladies who launch and you're going to talk about manning up with browning up at upas i mean come on i look like john candy in canadian <laughs> bacon when i put that uniform remember i sent you the picture for your refrigerator yes. i did it wasn't a pretty look for me but we would we would wait, all but did you have out. the uniform like did they send it to you beforehand or how does it work no each year we would go and um They'd have like a big trailer for all the people that were going to be drivers, helpers, etc. That were going to take it's on like the Santa's uniform. Santa's helpers. <laughs> yeah, it it really was. So we would go and we would just try on the uniform, and and you'd get all the all the pieces, and you'd just get yourself all suited up. And I remember that year there would be times when I would be delivering late in the evening, and and you know, and I'd be thinking, oh God, why am I even doing this? And certainly that would be the one where you climbed down a real slippery steps or climbed up them, <laughs> and you brought the package, and the person said. Oh, thank God, those are hand handmade ornaments for my grandchildren. Or it would be chemotherapy drugs for somebody. Just when you were getting, you know, like, oh, I can't do another, you know, delivery. So it was actually very heartwarming. But as somebody but, in marketing, uh, at the time, I also said to you, 
I think it's really, really good that no matter how high you are up you are in the company, that you go out and you deliver so that you really have an understanding of what the service is mm-hmm. that this company provides. And I don't know, do you know if do you know if your competitors, we won't talk about them, but let's just talk about the purple competitor. We'll just refer to it as the purple one. Can we call it the F word or <laughs> no we can't do that. <laughs> okay, no, never mind. Yeah, exactly. But okay. do you think they do the same thing? At federal uh, at, you know you know, I've never heard that they do, but uh-huh. I, I certainly don't know I, what don't all goes out in their culture. But to understand what your people were up against, to say nothing of what the people, you know, the the people who were, cert- don't you think it was a good thing for you? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You know, there's a um, book. It's called Men's Lives by Peter Matheson, and the opening line of the book is, "And it's men's lives we eat for breakfast." And I always thought, and what the point that he was making in that opening line is that you don't realize that in that box of Wheaties is a man's life, you know, whether it's on the assembly line or whatever. And I will tell you that I often think, because I know the ins and outs of what Opus is doing, I often think about the fact that I, you know, like I'm on Cape Cod and I may send a package to the person who does all our finance stuff down in, she lives in the mountains outside of Atlanta. And I may take that package over to uh, where I send it from. And I, at five o'clock at night, and then when you go in the next morning and you see where that package has been over the six hours before it gets to her doorstep at 9 a.m. the next morning. And you realize that it stopped in New Jersey. It went to Trenton, New Jersey. Then it got on a plane and it went to Atlanta. And then it went from Atlanta onto a truck. And then it went up into the mountains and it's on the way for delivery. And we, you know, we don't realize that all of these are, you know, these are all people's lives that we're eating for breakfast. And I love the stories that you've told about, about it because of that. But all right, now let's talk about being a woman at a major, major company like that. Um, coming up. Tell me, you know, tell me what you think about it. Like you didn't always work in a big corporation, but you made the move and you came in at an entry level and you worked your way up to where you are now. Just walk through what you think of as a woman in a, in business like that. Well, I had actually had a couple careers before that. For I was a teacher for five years, and then I went and was a paralegal for 13 years. And so I actually left this beautiful plaza office <laughs> in Kansas City to go over to UPS because I, I was truly ready for a change, and I've never regretted it. But I walked into the warehouse, and all of a sudden, you know, you're very used to being oh, a little cushier lifestyle. Oh, by you know, maybe. oh my gosh, and it was just kind of like wow, this is dirty, kind of dusty and noisy, and it's a warehouse, you know, what? And I did remember that very first day thinking, what have I done, you know? But but you instantly got this feeling that these are salt-of-the-earth people working hard. And as far as, like, for a, a woman, it was actually a little bit different that I did not come in as a loader of trucks. I did come in working um, in their recruiting office, and what was funny is they'd always refer to it as, this is Carol, she's off the street, because I hadn't been a loader. I mean, you know, that, and actually, most of the, a lot of the women did work oh, their way that, out really. there. Yeah. So yeah. women went and in so, as loaders, and they worked their way up there. And they worked their way up. And Good so, for you. We love you, UPS. That's a great, that is a great thing. Yeah. 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 And so, um, at any rate, I always felt like it sounded like I was homeless or a prostitute or something. She's off the street. <laughs> at any rate, but, um, but anyway, it was, it was, it was great. And, and like I said, I always felt like they were salt of the earth. And I'll be honest with you, I never felt like anyone treated me poorly because I was a woman. Especially in such a manly you Right, know, right. Company. Well, and maybe because of that, you're a little bit more, you know, there's more men than women. And um, 
I honestly felt like there was a mentality of treating you really well, you know, extra respect or something. I I don't know. Well, I, you know, it's funny because in Fortune 500 companies like UPS, you know, when I was a kid, my dad was at um, GE, and they moved us every year to a different location as he was climbing the corporate ladder and taking on new divisions and things. They don't do that anymore. Big companies like that generally don't move people anymore. And a couple of years ago, they gave you the option to go to... Um, they Manila is that what you're yeah Manila <laughs> like in the cookie by Pepperidge Farm <laughs> uh, that's Milano sorry <laughs> okay so anyway they gave you the option to do that you know did you you just tell everybody a little bit about what you did and it was for six months right it actually was for four months but um they came to me and they were going to have a um they were moving some processes in this HR shared services that were going to be handled in Manila. And so they came to me and said, will you go over there and, you know, develop it and train, train the people and, and work with them for the first four months to make sure everything goes you know, smoothly with the transition. And I, I know my mom at the time, oh my gosh, of the world. And, you know, and you're going to be way over there. I had it in my brain, how pathetic. I had this vision that was kind of near the Virgin Islands or whatever. And all of a sudden I look over there and I see, oh, there's Vietnam and there's Thailand. And oh my gosh, just below there's, there's the uh, Bali. The and Caribbean. I know. I think I <laughs> thought I was going to the Caribbean. Surprise, surprise, <laughs> surprise. At any rate, but it was a great lesson. And, and probably the toughest thing though, is you work nights there because you're accommodating U.S. hours. Uh, you're, at my, when you're getting a little bit older, it's a little bit harder to reset your um, your clock. But um, aside from that, what a great experience. I, I honestly think everybody should have that experience of working with another culture, you know, traveling like that, seeing another world, seeing a whole different uh, uh, aspect of life. So it was a great experience. Um, and you like working for a big company like that. It gives you an opportunity mm-hmm. like that, but, you, you know, you're not... You are not responsible for what happens truly in the sense of where the company goes. You're responsible for executing out certain things within the company. It's different than a smaller company like a Blue Shoe Strategy where there's so many fewer people. You know, it's a different kind of responsibility. You like the big company aspect. Yeah, and, and actually, it does give you that opportunity to try different things. And UPS is huge on that. If you, you know, every year you said, what would my career path be like? What would I like it to go? What would, do I need to do if I want to branch off? Because they've got, you know, every single kind of department. And I've actually worked in three. I started out as a recruiter, and then I went to, you know, and then uh, my boss at that time said, what would you like to do? And I pointed at Laura, and I, another gal, and I said, I want to do her job. So pretty soon, you know, Laura was promoted to something else, and I had hers. I was district communications. And then they came to me and they said, you know, we're going to have HR shared services in your area. We'll give you first shot at it because you're, what you bring to the table is kind of what we need right now anyway. And so I was able to switch over to um, process development and writing and stuff. So to me, it's been a real bonus being with a big company. You know what's interesting? Because I always thought there was an innate conflict of interest. So for example... Since not that many people are actually going to see your work, the ability to climb a corporate ladder like that has to be based in your boss or whoever you're reporting to. He's, he or she is the one who's going to show you to others. I mean, right. yes, you have other people who see your work, but not quite the same thing. And so um, I feel like there's a conflict of interest because if you're really good, and I'm sure you're really good, Carlotta, because we went to college together and I'm sure you're really good. Okay, so if you're really good, 
then really they don't want you to go somewhere. They don't want to transfer you out because then they lose this really good person that they train a new person. So I just felt like there was an innate conflict of interest in a big corporation about trying to get promoted outside the arena that you're sitting in. Is that not true? No, and it's it kind of depends on who your boss is, but there's absolutely situations where someone feels like they're being held back a little bit because their boss does yeah. not want to lose to, them right? and their yeah. unique uh, experience set or whatever. But I ha- I have to admit I've been lucky... I've never felt that. I mm-hmm. happen to have had a, mainly two primary people in my life with each of those leaps that really wanted it for me. And they were the kind of people that people had given them the, yeah. and they actually made it very high up in the company themselves because they, you know, and they had always been given opportunities, huh. you know, and even as we speak, I just got back from a workshop where it's, do you want to move on to the next opportunity? And I know it would be difficult for me because we actually, I'm actually in a department that's very, very small right now. We had like six people and three ended up like either branching off to a special assignment, you know, so it would be hard to, when you're that tiny of a department, but they're all forming. I think people, when they're looking at big companies, though, they do think that they, they don't feel as motion filled as the way I've watched you describe your career, but well, and it's hard to say you know, whether another person for UPS would uh-huh. say that they felt like they had um, those many opportunities, especially like, let's say you're looking at like the operations where someone is like a loader and, or an unloader or something like that. Obviously, then you can go to be a part-time soup. It's fairly easy to do that. Become a supervisor, it's, it's a little tougher. But then you end up with this little you know, pipeline if you want to just stay right there. I've been in an area where you could work in HR or corporate departments or, you know, expand, you know. And so I don't know if everybody would say that they felt like, you know, that they had as many, you know, opportunities. But I will say, too, people used to get so irritated because I think this happened in a lot of companies where people didn't really know what the promotion opportunities were. It was someone kind of hand-picked or cherry-picked who they really wanted to move to the next slot. No one else even heard it was going to be available. And then suddenly, oh, so-and-so got promoted. I didn't even know that that was an option, you know. And so now they have made, because that's one thing that with the employee services, the surveys they do every year, people would say, hey, we want to know give me a fair crack at it fair shot at it you might be surprised you might not realize all the people that are interested in that and someone might be better qualified and so now they really are making more and more of an effort to say we have posted it online take a look at it you know put the names in and i I, i've seen a real change well you know it's funny because all through these years you know and we all complain about certain things in our life when you're close to somebody like we are you know, that's where you tell your intimate secrets. You've been so po- po- pos- positive this main corporation, and I don't see huge corporations as offering what I think Americans want today. So it's so nice. It's so nice to hear about that. It really is. So thanks for telling us a little bit about oops, which I, you know, <laughs> oops, um, you know, oops. And I'm so sorry. And I, you know, I'm so sorry that you have to deliver packages at Christmas. But I want you to know it's the highlight of my year to hear the little stories around it for sure. All right. So I have three questions to end with. One is. Um, you went to the University of Nebraska and you majored in? Um, actually, it was audiology, which was under the communication arts umbrella. Uh-huh. And so actually, when I did tired of being an audiologist, I parlayed the fact that it was under the communications umbrella. Okay. If you were going to college today, I ask every person I interview this, what would you major in now? Um, oh, gosh. I've... 
thought about marketing, but I think I've kind of gotten off that trail. I think I would do something, if I could do anything, I think I'd like to to um, be like a screenwriter or something like that. I maybe would have parlayed the writing. I don't think in Nebraska I was going to get a lot of people encouraging me, but let's say it's a world where you can do whatever you want. Maybe I would have gone out to the coast, you know, dabbled with learning how to write and learning like the screenwriting, you know, a- aspect of it. I like that answer. That's a great answer, actually. You could still do that, by the way, when you retire. That's you know, right. That could happen. It could happen. And the third thing is, if you could live anywhere, where would you live now? Italy. Italy. Give me the Amalfi Coast, Positano. Or actually, maybe like a little, a small Italian town right near near those gorgeous places where I can have my own mint green Vespa and tool around <laughs> the little, I know, I, I, I hate to well, say. And besides, you've learned, you know, because with all the deliveries you've done, the Vespa, you could probably put packages <laughs> on the back. And maybe you could be a, you know, you could work with Oops there and do it and do it. It could work, right? Anyone that'll listen to me, I always say, if there's a European uh, transfer that you're looking for, I just want you to remember my name, you know? So Okay, there you go. What well, the heck? Thanks for coming today, Carol. Really appreciate your time. Thank you.